This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by 23 and More. 23 and Me predicts how you're going to die. At 23 and More, we predict how you should live. By analyzing your DNA, 23 and More knows exactly what you need to do to optimize your potential. At only 5'7", Spud Webb won the NBA dunk contest, and that is amazing. But 23 and More results show he would have been the Michael Jordan of accounting. I used to work the fryers at McDonald's, but then my 23 and More results showed me I wasn't living my best life. Now I'm the fry guy at Burger King, and things are really looking up. I was a dean of a community college, but I felt like I still had more potential. 23 and More helped me realize my true calling, and now I drive a cab. 23 and More. Find out who you're supposed to be. Welcome. Thank you for cracking another road soda. 84 road sodas. I'm Isaiah Cooper. On this episode, get ready for a big announcement, and we tell you just what kind of guy had sex with Woody Harrelson's mom. And I'm Greg McGinnis, and I would like us to get together and explore a magical Islamic island. And also, we're going to strap on the time machine. A lot of people say step into the time machine. I like the idea of more of like a strap-on time machine. Like it's a backpack? I'm or thinking like more a like a dildo. Maybe phallic. Like the, it's much more phallic, yeah. It pulls you through time and space. Why else would I want to go back in time if it wasn't going to be some type of sexual escapade? I heard what Cleopatra was pretty hot. Hell yeah. She could. She was known for it, right? She was probably filthy. I wouldn't go back more than 50 years. Your Christmas. dick would come right off how filthy those people were. We're only going back 35 years with we're only our going back 35 device. Years. 84. 35 years. Everyone's totally fuckable 35 years ago. Everybody. 80, episode 84, man. Um, 80, that's a lot of road sodas. That's a lot, lot to get down. What do you got for... What do you got? So I got... Um, the year 1984, I looked into, and there was some cool stuff. I looked into it. It didn't suck too bad. Looked into it. I lived through it, too. I was nine. Dan Marino, like, football was really fun for me in 1984. There was stars. Joe Montana, Eric Dickerson. Those are names even I know. Yes. Dan fucking Marino was like a Dan. superstar in 84. But um, the 84 Winter Olympics also happened in 1984. I'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, there was something that happened in 1984 that I remember seeing in 1995 there was a family that ran a daycare in 1984. They were accused of diddling the kids. Uh-huh. It was a huge case. It ended up being one of the most, at the time, one of the most expensive cases to testify, to, uh, to testify, to bring to court because they had so many charges and so much shit. And at the end of it, I, I only know this because I saw a HBO movie starring James Woods, uh-huh. who was like the defender in this movie. Of the family, and the charges were unfounded. At the end of all this, everybody was was found not guilty. Really? Okay. Yeah, there there was like it was like a witch hunt in the eighties, and this family that ran a daycare 
people were asking the kids leading questions and getting the kids to give them the answers they wanted. Right. They had these puppets, like, where did he touch you? And they were like, anywhere else? Anywhere else? Come Keep on. Keep going. We're going to be here all day. We know and you touched your butt, like, kid. Come on. We're getting out of here. Yeah. And so they brought these people uh, through fucking hell. The, McMa- the McMartin family. Right. That happened in 1984. That was a big deal. Um, also, Diego Maradona. You know that name. No. Really? No. Huge soccer player. Huge. Yes, you know me. In 1984, <laughs> I, I just thought he was kind of above, you know? I was thinking maybe because Ali G did that thing with Madonna. Beckham. Madonna. And only Maradona. because he uh, married the Hot Spice Girl. You think she was the hot one? The black one was the hot one, dude. Whatever. Angry Whichever. Spice, that's whatever that's the it. beauty. That's the beauty. Everyone spice. has their. That's the beauty. Everyone has their own spice, their own flavor. That's, that's true. They're all... You can't make a wrong choice. That's true. I did really like the Spice Girls. But I digress. Diego Maradona in in 1984 was sold uh, as he was a player. His contract was sold from FC Barcelona in Spain to a bunch of letters that I didn't understand. Napoli, mm-hmm. which is Italy. So an Ita- Spanish team to an Italian team for $10.5 million Wow. In freaking 1984. Right. It would be another 20 years. I believe a guy named Cliff Lloyd was the first guy to get a $10 million baseball deal. Wow. But now they're like handing him out for what, $300 million? Now they're insane, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, as it's going. But his was just the first $10 million contract in And sports. what do you think $10 million uh, added inflation uh, from 84 to now, what do you think that would be worth? Oh, my God. At least $10 million, 5000 At least. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's conservative. Right. I think that's probably accurate. He'd be swimming in it. That what, much what, is it what was it? I mean, he was the highest paid guy. So when we're right. watching on TV, the guy that just got the 300... There was three guys that just got signed in baseball, and their contracts totaled a billion dollars. So one of those three guys is Maradona. Which is baseball even a billion dollar industry? Of course. Every really? one of the teams is worth a billion dollars. Wow. Insanity. Or more. That's nuts. It is. That is really nuts. It fucking is, man. Uh, also in 1984, we got a new president, Ronald Reagan won the election in 1984. It was his second time. And famously, he beat... The guy that he beat was... Um, uh, no. Uh, Spuds McKen... No. God damn it. Why can't I think of that guy's name? He the, he was famous for getting his ass kicked so hard. He was from Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. And Reagan won 49 of the 50 states. Which makes it sound like this massive That's... landslide. By the way, it wasn't. What was the 50th state? Minnesota, where oh. the guy was from. He only won his home state. <laughs> uh, begins with an M, and I know I'll remember Michael his name. Moore. Close. Walter Mondale. Oh, but, the weather guy. So 49 out of 50 states went to uh, Reagan, but the, it wasn't like an 80-20 election. It was 59-41. Right. Popular vote. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I guess he just they fucking had the district set up the right way for Reagan, I guess. I don't know. Fucking, it's Reagan, man. He's this a star. Was, this was another interesting thing I came across. Um, on October 31st, 1984, the Vatican forgave, officially forgave, Galileo for his claims from 368 years prior. Really? This was a fucking thing. Because they were, yeah, he was like, yeah, man, we're like the earth, it, we're, t- uh, it's, we're actually going around the sun. And they're like, fuck you, we're going to kill you. How dare you say that shit? And that was in... Just so funny to me how asinine the fucking Catholic Church can be. But they said they're sorry. They, yeah, right, in 1984. They came back and got, they're like, hey, you know Galileo's dead, right? (laughs) 
Like, but you know, with doing it publicly, it's like you don't. Yeah, what well, he doesn't care. He's dead, but they, right? They didn't actually kill Galileo, though, did they? I don't. I don't believe so. I actually, that's pretty embarrassing to say that I don't know how Galileo died. And again, who the fuck does know how Galileo died? I'm not using that as a point. He of, died like everyone did at that time from eating filthy pork, malaria, not clean, or malaria, or uh, anal a malaria. war, <clears throat> a war, anal malaria at war. I guess. So that happened in 1984. And then one last thing. This was interesting to me. This guy, Gary Plochet in 1984, his son was kidnapped by his karate instructor. And he was like gone for like a while, months, a month, something like that. They finally got the guy and brought him back. There was allegations and it was pretty fucking obvious. There was like sexual abuse of the kid. The dude could not deal with it. So once they caught the karate instructor and brought him back, he's in handcuffs. He's in a Louisiana airport, going to be extradited back to, I believe, California, where they were. And you see it on video. The father is waiting at one of those payphone banks that used to have until they walk right by. And this reporter happened to be videotaping the perp walk. Mm -hmm. So he caught it perfectly on camera. And it was right when the camera, like as he's filming the guy off to his right, the cameraman, and as the guy walks right by him, you see the guy, Gary Plochet, the kid, the father of the kid, mm-hmm. turns around with a gun and just fucking, bam, shoots the karate instructor. Wow. He only got five years. Wow. Shooting a dude on camera. I guess they were just like, well, he touched his kid, fuck it. Yeah. So they just let him go, right? So let that be a lesson to all you fucking I think they do karate let you instructor go. fuckers. Yeah, uh, you can't karate chop bullets? Is that... <laughs> let that be no, known. No, you fucking handcuffed. Oh, so, handcuffed, I totally could have karate chopped it. So the last thing that I want to bring up from 1984, this is very interesting because, do you know anything about Brunei? Anything maybe happening right now? That, uh, that Sasha Baron Cohen movie? Close. That is actually close, and I'm going to give you half credit. Uh, Brunei is a, an is, Islamic island nation. It's actually a small little part of Borneo. Okay. So we're talking like Malaysia. Right. Uh, recently made headlines because Ellen DeGeneres is calling for a boycott because on April 3rd... Oh, they stopped making her Tom's shoes? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, on April 3rd, the Islamic law of Brunei uh, allowed homosexuals and... Witches. Uh, what was the other uh, one? I want to throw in my hat and say witches. I guess we'll just say homosexual acts for now. Okay, Because I can't now. read my own handwriting. But death by stoning mm-hmm. is how was how they handle homosexuals now, Brunei, as of April so 3rd. So now, so it took them, it's 2019, and they're like, oh, we finally figured out what we're going to do with these They gained independence on, April, on, on January 1st, 1984. Okay. So yes, in that time, they've said now... And now you can stone them. It's, we have this new, great way of doing things. No one's ever thought of this before. Just pick up the rocks on the ground... That it's that's insane. So they so they Fucking just insane. signed. But what? They're so Ellen is calling for boycotts boycott against. I saw this in line at work on Thursday, and I actually kind of laughed out loud. As if, it's almost like I can't name a single thing that comes from Brunei. There's only one thing that comes from Brunei. We'll get into that. Fiji water. Fiji no Brunei water, dude. Fiji water comes from Fiji? gas stations oh. in Tennessee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so wait, where? So wait, she called for a boycott of all the hotels owned by the royalty of Brunei. 
Mm. And she listed these hotels. Dude, these are fucking hotels. Yeah, None the of Beverly would... Hills Hotel. Remember the last episode? Not the Beverly Hills Hotel. They... Like, even more... But they, that's one of the hotels that the, the, all these actors are boycotting. It's the same thing that... What's his that's name? That's unrelated, though. That's a different boycott, I think. No, they're... That's... My mom was telling me about how they're boycotting... Uh, like, George Clooney and all these different people are boycotting these hotels because they're owned by some... Uh, or maybe own... that is it. Because maybe the owner it wants to enact Sharia law. Which is like all this kind of shit with right. know, no gays and women that kind of stuff. Which did happen on April third, so yeah, maybe they knew it was coming. Because I was thinking to myself, this just went into law mm-hmm. in Brunei like three days ago, and I remember we talked about it last week. But yeah, I guess they kind of knew it was coming. Like, so so, these, that's why. so this guy came out of Brunei and he owns the hotels. He's the the absolute monarch of Brunei is a guy named Hassanal Balkai. Also, a, hotel owner. Well, I mean, they... So, we, we let's talk about Brunei. So, because I didn't know shit about Brunei. And mm-hmm. I honestly was thinking... Was Clearly, like, I don't either. Where the hell is even Brunei? I thought it was in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's Middle East. When you say it's an Islamic monarchy... Right. Well, shit, that's right in the Middle East. What's their number one export? Their only fucking export would also go with the Middle East. S- uh, s- human slavery. Oil and natural gas. Really? Yeah, they're the and, ninth. But, but you said they're based over in Malaysia, coast, Malaysia area. Yeah, okay. interesting. They're, they're it's so their uh, GDP in Brunei. It's only a little north western chunk of the island of Borneo. It's between the size of Rhode Island and Delaware. Wow, it's two thousand square miles. Rhode Island is uh, one point five, fifteen hundred square miles. Delaware is like. 2,400 square miles. This is just under 2,000. Just Jesus. to give you an idea of the size. It's a I little... think we have a pretty specific idea now of the size. Yeah, there you go. And uh, 90% of their GDP, which is $35 billion a year, 90% of that comes from oil and natural gas. And they're actually the ninth largest exporter of natural gas in the world. Right. And they're uh, run by... Sunni Islam is like their national... Religion slash law, Sharia law is the way they do it. They have an absolute monarch, this guy Hassan al Bolkai. They achieved independence from the UK on January 1st, 1984, which is how I came across it because it relates to our 84. Do you mean 84? Because you, you keep saying 1994. 84. 84. What, when did I say 1994? You said it twice. Oh, okay. I said 94 twice, just now and then once before. Well, that. let's edit that because it was January 1st. Oh, it's fine. 1st, we, 19... we, if we say it now, people are gonna people will catch it. So just for clarity's sake, 1994. No, it's, yes. j- it's January 1st. We're in the 94th episode, but this, uh, yeah, 84, 80, 1984. So, okay, continue. So, not only, by the way, the, um, the death by stoning for homosexual acts is something they've just recently done. But don't worry, they're pretty tough on other shit, too. You can also get the death penalty for Sneezing. insulting or defaming Muhammad. Of course. And a whole host of other oh, shit. Of course. That, if, if you can be stoned for that, mm-hmm. you know, stoning actually is the specific death penalty they've recently prescribed for homosexuality. I'm sure it was already a death penalty thing. Oh, for someone else. That for and people who... Yeah. You were already going to get killed, but maybe it was firing squad or t- drawing and quartering or... Throwing Jeez. off a building. I don't know what else they Whatever do. else. But there's so much like. death penalty shit. They actually... Um, they're like... There's there's some watch thing out there. They have the death penalty for more shit than any other... I forget exactly how I was put, and I don't want to misspeak. But basically, the death penalty is rampant. You can get the death penalty for a lot of shit in mm-hmm. Brunei. However, 
they're not entirely uh, old school. They are progressive on some fronts. For example, they are the first country to have banned shark finning. Really? So there you go. Who's Who are the monsters now? Now who are the monsters? They care more about <laughs> sharks than they do gays. And uh, I just never heard of it. I heard all this outrage about you know, what was going on with um, the hotel embargo and the, the way I heard about it. I know it was mentioned, but I didn't know specifically what it was we were talking about. But I'm in line at Dunkin' Donuts on Thursday, and I see a tweet from someone that was just retweeting Ellen's call to arms. Let's boycott mm -hmm. these hotels. You look at the hotels. Dude, these are like $10,000 a night hotels, all yeah. of them. So, so she's basically said, just tweeting to her friend. Just text these people, Well, she Ellen. put it out to her billion and a half followers, and this guy's response was, are you fucking kidding me? He says, am I also supposed to boycott Rolex and fucking Maserati? Yeah. Like, what is the point? I'm, I'm fucking... already a boycotting that shit. Yeah, because I fucking couldn't go there if I wanted to. Yep. So anyway, hope, hope you learned a little bit of Brunei. Been a country since 1984, killing people for all kinds of shit since. Mm -hmm. And it was very cycle. inventive uh, with how they do it. <laughs> this episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Champions Riot Gear. Riot in style, riot like a champion. We bring you all the gear you need to get in on the riot and show those sons of bitches how drunk you're allowed to get when your team is champion. We've got the key elements for your offense. Mini bats. When you're bashing a head in, the last thing they will see is your team's logo before things go dark. Molotov cocktails. The fire department won't be able to find anything in the ashes of these victory fires. We carry a wide range of official logo matchbooks, lighters, team colored chains, and crowbars. Consult our sizing chart for proper length. Now featuring kids sizes in Cleveland and Detroit. Before they ask for your autograph down at the police station, take a swing for the fences with our doorknob sack. Your team logo is hand-stitched on an elegant 1,200-thread-count Egyptian cotton sack. They won, they're beating us mercilessly, and they have impeccable taste? Now that's a triple threat. And go to work the next day after rioting, rocking your team's logo on our back braces. Because no one flipping a car hasn't felt it the next day. Champion Riot Gear. Riot like a champion. A popco brand. news big big news greg we are going to start uh this is a great interesting awesome thing can i i want to start by saying uh i used to do this vine thing way back in the day and it, uh, there are a handful of people still listening to the podcast who uh have been on along for the ride since we were doing our um What's it called? Since we, since I was doing the Vine thing and when this whole podcast started three years ago, a lot of people don't know this podcast used to be much different. But I, I was sending out postcards to people at that time. It was something personalized postcards to everybody. And then you and I got the bright idea to do. Why not bring that shit back and do that? Fuck yeah! Fuck yes! Road soda post postcards to you. How did we get these postcards? Greg? Yes, we got some, we have uh, some art on the side by Charlie Mack. can be reached at charliemack1912 at gmail.com. Excellent who, artist. Who is my, Charlie? Go ahead. My brother, my dad was married three times, and Charlie was the son of the third lady, Kathy. 
And uh, so we were both adults when we met, but he, I still consider him my brother, even though my dad's gone now and they're not married. And um, he has always been a great artist, and I always try, have tried to encourage it. And I said, man, it would be awesome to have someone that can draw do something for this. And he went all out. Yes. I just asked to say, hey, you know, maybe you can come up with something for a postcard. We want to reach out to the gang and, and let people know, you know, just kind of hit him in a different way. Maybe say thanks, send out a postcard. This guy went nuts with the research and he went back through all of our cool episodes and picked out a bunch of the commercials and incorporated it into this really cool really unique postcard i'm looking at a picture of it right now and i it's, just love it we don't want to give away too much but yes. yeah he he did pick out all these things one day we just all of a sudden saw all these listens to like old episodes we can see some of the, the the data that comes in and one day it was like 70 unique listens to like different episodes and uh so I knew he wasn't bullshitting when he said that he went through and and listened to all these little things to pull out fun little trivial Easter eggs to put on this postcard. We don't want to tell you too much about what it looks like because you guys can get one. Do you know how easy? We're not asking for money or anything at all. All we are asking for is almost like a roll call. Like, who's out there? Like, we want to give something back. If you guys are listening to us, like, you know, we're... Uh, we've been doing this for a while, and and we don't. We're we're just trying to have fun, and and like I don't know. It's just a way for us to give back to the people that are listening to us. Just we're gonna call it, fuck we're gonna call it Marco Postcard. We're saying Marco, you tell us an address to send a postcard to. You get a postcard. We'll send Marco you a postcard. postcard. It's that simple, guys. It is that simple. And uh, like I said, I used to do this with the Vine thing, and it was a lot of fun. People would. Uh, sometimes we do contests, different things like that. But people would just send me the address, and then I would write out a personalized postcard to you. That's what we're going to do. We're going to write you a personalized postcard, and we're going to send it right to you. And these then things you are, get these to things are beautiful too. Yeah. By the way. You wait until you see what what the, this is really cool. It's really it's awesome. Cool and then when you get it, all you do is you just take a picture with yourself with it and send it to us. Post it on some kind of. Uh, post on Instagram or Twitter, tag us in it so we know you got it, and then that's it. We sent you a postcard. You gotta, you get to. It's really, it's really pretty cool, and so it's yeah. something that you'd want to put on your fridge. People are gonna ask you, where the fuck's road soda? Fuck yeah. Oh, it's a state. It's not a place, baby. It's a <laughs> state of mind. So yeah, guys, just uh, uh, yeah, our you can send your addresses to road soda mail at gmail.com. and we're gonna make this announcement also on. Uh, social media on Instagram and whatnot and Twitter. However you want to send us, even if you follow us and it's easier for you to send your uh, address that way, we are going to send those postcards. And wait till people actually start getting them and then you will see pictures of these people on on social media and you'll know we're really fucking sending these awesome things out. You're going to want one of these. You're going to want one of these. They're, they're terrific. They're the best. They're it's incredible. It's going to be terrific. It's going to be terrific. Uh... Yeah, guys, road soda mail at gmail.com. Do we want to bring up the second one? We got it. Oh, that's secret. That's secret. Oh, we don't want to. Oh, I yeah, guys. The cat out of the bag. There is, uh, yes, there is a secret one, and there's a, an, another one. If you, we're always asking people to participate in our Millennial Book Club segment. And so if you've watched the Millennial uh, Book Club thing, maybe you even watched it before we announced what it is and you watch that Netflix original, and you just want to give your two cents, tell us about it, even just one sentence. Uh, 
I would put it, where do you, where would you put it? Would you put it in on our grading scale of uh, must watch, watch if it's there, go ride a bike? Just whatever you want to do, just let us know what you think about it. And then you get a different postcard. There's actually two different postcards. And there's one special for the Millennium Book Club. I think we're, this is, this is really cool. And if, uh, and thank you so fucking much to Charlie Mack for doing this. Like these are really awesome. And that's the kind of community that we are trying to create. Like if you guys ever had like draw a picture, if you guys are artists in any way and something inspires you to make some kind of We'd art. We'd love that. That would be great. We would fucking love that shit. Maybe, uh, one of our, um, maybe one of the sponsors is sparks an idea for you and you draw a picture or you, how, whatever it is. Send it to us. We love that stuff, and we love seeing what you guys do. In that same vein, I would like to point out, and I know that uh, we do, we definitely mentioned the Instagram and the Twitter account. If you're listening and you are not on the Instagram, you're definitely missing out because Isaiah puts together kick-ass versions of our commercials on the Insta account, which is Road Soda Podcast mm-hmm. on Instagram. Everywhere. Definitely want to follow podcast, that. Yeah. It's very fun. I love them. I don't even get to see them until they come out, and I absolutely love the extra time. I love the ads on the podcast, but I think having the Instagram uh, little pic collage that goes along with it. Yeah, basically just put a slideshow. I mean, it's, I mean, we both work full-time jobs, so everything we do on this show is around that. And so, yeah, I, I my dream would be to actually have a full video that goes with each commercial. So you hear it first, and then we have on our YouTube, people can like watch the videos, but... For now, I just make these ridiculous slideshows, and um, it just gives it a, maybe a little bit more of a visual thing. And so I, I hope uh, good. <laughs> I Greg, do. I really do. Greg likes them, and Greg doesn't like anything about this show. I pay him uh, kindly and handsomely to be here. You brought up your Vine days just before we close this piece out, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention I recently saw like a big. What was it? It was on YouTube. It was like. All your vines. Uh, yeah, I just put a, all the vines from when I hiked the Appalachian Trail. I put them into one video. I, so I watched like a big chunk of them, and I, I fucking laugh every single time I see it. There was one where you put the eyes on the tree. Put googly eyes on a tree. Googly eyes on a tree, yeah. and then the tree entices him to come give it a kiss. And then there's this little thing you do at the end with the branch, yeah. insinuating you're about to be raped by a tree. He was going to have his way. Which yeah. is fucking hilarious. I love that. <laughs> I've never seen a tree rape attempted before or since. It was fucking great. You should watch that. That tree was quick, man. <laughs> tree just snuck up on me. So guys, yeah, if you, uh, I think you could see it if you just type in Isaiah Cooper. There's another Isaiah Cooper that exists, and he is a young black fella who uh, set the record for the youngest black person to solo fly across America. He flew oh, yeah, plane. that's right. Yeah. and I um, tried to get him for this podcast, by the way. He was not available fucking flying around. So yeah, my entire that. existence, basically, at this point, is just now trying to do anything with my life that will make me more searchable than that Isaiah Cooper. Hashtag Isaiah Cooper fail. Yeah, I know. Bam. I used to be the... You should I, get that tattoo. I used to be the most famous Isaiah Cooper. <laughs> I should... I used to be... And then one day, this kid just had to fly a plane across the United States, and now I am the second. So, uh, I'm out here. What are you going to (laughs) do? That's what... I'm Jim James of Janestown Crematoriums. Our ovens have been on for 20 years, and we love what we do. Most crematoriums won't bring up the issue of wrong body cremations. 
because people expect 100% accuracy in our line of work. But insiders know industry average is only about 81%. But here at Janestown, we have been highest in our region for 10 years at 89%. That's 10% higher than the other guys. So the next time you have to cremate a loved one, please consider Janestown. You can rest easy knowing you have a much higher likelihood of getting back the ashes of your loved one and not the ashes of your neighbor or worse, their poodle. Don't get burned. Leave the incineration to Janestown. Millennial Book Club Millennial Book Club. Millennial uh, Netflix Club. Millennial Book Club. Here we are again. Just like in every episode, the Millennial Book Club. The segment where we pick a Netflix original. One episode, you watch it throughout the week, you come back on the next episode, and we talk about it. And if you guys have anything you would like to say, then send us... Uh, your comments to, or yeah, send your comments to roadsodamail at gmail.com and we will read that stuff all on the air in that segment. This segment is The Highwaymen and we're going to spoil the shit just like out of everything. We're just going to talk about it in the open. We're not going to beat around any kind of plot twists or devices or whatever. So Highwaymen and what was that? That was with Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner and uh, what's her name? Uh, Bette Midler. Um, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, yeah. Greg, what would you think of The Highwaymen? I liked it. I enjoyed it. You did? So you watched the whole thing? I watched the whole thing, yeah. This was one that I was not... Uh, I would have watched the whole thing. It wasn't like... I think Roma I just found so boring that I couldn't... I, I, I could have, but I just chose not to. This one was just a strict time thing. I've been trying to push it closer to the episode in general to to listening to it, but um, it but you was, would, you wanted to finish it. You enjoyed it. I wanted yeah, and especially just for the show, you know, like it was it was good enough to finish uh, and entertaining too, because there's a difference between Roma was good. I just didn't find it entertaining. Right, right. So it was boring as hell. But this <laughs> and this was maybe not as good as Roma, but it was more entertaining. Yes, yeah. it spoke more to me. What did you what did you like about it? Uh, I liked the story. I was new to the Bonnie and Clyde thing. In fact, I think neither of us realized this was like the Bonnie and Clyde story. That was kind of a neat take on it because once you get into it, you realize this is the Bonnie and Clyde story specifically from the two bounty hunter guys following them. Right. And I think I had heard, I mean, everyone's heard of Bonnie and Clyde who knew what their actual thought was. So I did a little looking into it just so I could kind of familiarize myself and also, when I finished the movie, I went and looked at criticism of the movie. I wanted to see what people thought of it, because I didn't have like a clear sense of, like... I thought it was entertaining, and I right. like Woody... Tell me what I should think. Yeah, well, I just wanted to see... What I it... liked it in my mind. <laughs> I just wanted to see what people said about it. Sometimes I do that, you know, because yeah. I just do like to kind of hear, where am I at with what, like, the consensus is. Mm -hmm. or, and sometimes, did are I you... miss something, or was there something are about... Are you mainstream, or are you... Wait, wait, where did you go to look, to, to check? Did you go on, like, Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I went on to some site, no, I didn't go into Rotten Tomatoes, but I went onto a site that just did like little blurbs from a bunch of different people. Right, right. And then you could click on it and get their whole review. I'm not like a super technical uh, film guy, you know what I mean? I know what I like. 
I have uh, an idea. Sometimes I come across stuff that I, I don't know why I do, do or don't like it, and I just mm. have to live like that, I guess. I just have to live. <laughs> you know? it's the, it's the I hated it, and I don't know why. scope in the cinematography. Of course you wouldn't want to watch that. Right. Everything was set at 6.3. You're like a six guy. You are definitely a six guy. I mean, you know, sometimes getting too much into the behind the baseball, behind the curtain, mm-hmm. is not... For movies, for me, it's a total escape type of thing, so... Yeah. I don't really need to know all that much about it. Sometimes I look into one specifically, like a like a real sci-fi movie or like a CGI or that's something I have like a what's the word? Like I feel bad about my level of understanding of CGI and being able to spot it and whatnot. I have right. like a inferiority complex about it. So people are like, oh my god, what do you think about the CGI in that? And I'm like, I thought it looked great. I'm like, like I don't what are you an idiot? Fucking know it looked <laughs> cool. I mean, I didn't actually think a fucking shark jumped up and grabbed the guy. I knew it wasn't real, but. I don't know. I didn't fucking... Because I really feel like most of the people that talk about CGI just want to shit on it so they can point oh, I knew it was CGI. Right. I could spot that a mile away. And then they see something. No, it's a new technique that they use with a... What do they call it? Like, real effects or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh, but there was a lot of CGI overlay on it. You know, it's always those guys that just want to shit on stuff. Yep. It's... Uh, Douchebags everywhere. He just Michael bade the whole movie. He just... Yeah, and I hate that shit too because I don't pay attention to directors all that much. There's a small handful. But you know who Michael Bay is. I know who Michael Bay is. He's like the big everything blows up guy. Right. And he uses a, a Like the Transformers. Of, but what yeah. did he... Is there anything besides the Transformers that Michael Bay has done? Yeah, he's done a bunch of that stuff. That was like big though. Yeah, Pacific Rim. Yeah, that movie fucking sucked. I, I think it, it was sucked, but everyone knows about it. It was big, but it sucked. Because it had like a big budget and it was supposed to be cool, yeah. these big fucking it, monsters. So everyone knows the name Pacific Sometimes, Rim. Sometimes though, like there's so much time and money spent on that, that the storyline and like the actual... Things that oh, would build interest were not there. And that movie, 10 minutes in, I was like, I'm fucking so That's what they do. Is, yeah, that's what they, uh, some of them are. It's like, I think that's why people don't like Michael Bay's because the story is so very loose. It's all about that visual. How candy. do we get to the next explosion? Yeah. Yeah. And basically just writing explosions into the script as much as, <laughs> how can I, each scene is just a build to an explosion. But, um, what I, do you think about this movie? You didn't know from, much about it coming into it either, no, I don't think. I did, yeah, I had no idea that that's what it was about until you texted, uh, you said something about it. And that's when I, I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that that's what it, that's interesting. So, um, it was, I thought it it was good. It was well shot. It was, um, I love that time. And when people, when they shoot that time, it's, uh... It's really interesting. I told you like the '30s. You're saying, yeah, that like '30s. Those those you know old shitty cars with the suicide doors and that kind of shit, and uh, just the difference in like guns back then. When this guy at one point they're driving around, they have guns just like piled up in their back seat. No one's like, hey, I think you can step out of the car for me. You know, they still don't give a shit. Right. But um, it was uh, it had. What I liked is there is uh, it's like this trope, and you see it in so every movie obviously. It fits your the hero's tale, right? But then you have different types. So uh, it's obviously the hero's tale, just like everything. But this one is wisdom, like prevails or whatever over everything else. Because it's this these old guys are coming back the whole the whole time. They're like kind of losing. They're a step behind. They have their little wins here and there, but for the most part, they're harping on the fact that they they are not at their prime anymore. They don't do this, and they're coming out. It's like Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood or... Fucking love that movie. Gr- fucking Unforgiven is the, so great. S- the best climax of any... Because it's just slow and steady masturbation for the whole movie. Just 
this incremental build. He's just great like, shots and like a good line every once in a every while. Once in a while. So like, Spartan and like hardcore cowboy, and then that but fucking end is shit. Like some and of the cool, like when you see movies now, there's so much planning that goes into like the final this, and like you're gonna be up on the roof, and there's gonna be a headset and all that. This movie, he comes in, he's got like an armful of shit. He goes, "Which one of you guys is Bob?" He just drops his gun, bam, and he right. just fucking stands in the middle Dude. of the room, and you're like, "Fucking a, that's so awesome." And what makes it so much better is the whole movie. He's been like stumbling and like pissing out bladder stones, and like yeah. you know, taking Alka Seltzer, and that's going like to, a new going thing. to bed early. Like I think like with like Saving Private Ryan, and like around that time, like the '90s, because there was another movie that came out around that same time. I think it was called The Thin Red Line, mm-hmm. also a war movie. Prior to some of these movies, and this, these might not have been the first, I guess maybe Apocalypse Now and Platoon paved the way for even that, but the movies that were about war being like this internal drama where it's like, I can't, they're already thinking about their PTSD yeah. while they're on the gunboat. Like, if I shoot this guy in the face, am I going to be able to play baseball with my kid? Whereas before, the movies, they would just fucking, bam, shoot a guy, yeah. bam. Full Metal Jacket. A guy breaks in like... and you just stab him, and it was like me or him, everything, and there's no internal anything no yeah you're right i think it was right around the time of the vietnam war because up until that war we were like gun and hell about war and yeah. our war and our our uh you know military and veterans were heroes where after the vietnam war everyone started feeling more different about you know are should we be doing this is this helping the world what's going on uh, uh and so that's like with full metal jacket was that movie. so then it immediately really looks like the american perspective is always in there when you're filming the movie right in the earlier movies you're right everyone's just go go go, go. go. now but now but the, yeah now you're questioning so the now you want a soldier is like, like the, my hands are shaking am i doing yeah. the right thing is this good what i'm doing is it bad and it's always bittersweet mm-hmm. this was the same thing but with like a cop movie like because that was the big central thing. Like, are we doing the right thing here? Right. Are we? Because the M.O. for Kevin Costner was he was this badass cop that didn't give a shit. He mm-hmm. just did whatever he wanted to. Like, he, he did what he had to do. Right. Like, there was a story. I'm Bonnie and Clyde with a badge. I don't know if you got to the end of it, but there was always, like, this this looming thing where they were like, why is Kevin Costner such a badass? Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end, they're playing cards, like, before the big deal. I mean, what, up. tells a story? Tells a story where there was, like... A bunch of, it was a, a, on the border, maybe it was in Mexico, maybe it was in Texas, or it was close, mm-hmm. and there was like a bunch of guys in like a valley, bad guys, and all the rangers were around, and they kept going, throw your hands up, stop shooting at us, we're going in, and he was like, we were going in, and like, most of the guys were getting killed, and then we ran out. Mm-hmm. Then we'd go in, all these guys were getting killed, and Kevin Costner, whatever the Spanish word for throw up your hands is, like, he, that's what he said, and Kevin, mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson Hands up Right, and then Kevin Costner comes in, and he's like... What's the fucking situation? They're like, well, we keep going in and tell them to throw their hands up and they're shooting us. He goes, none of you motherfuckers are going to say anything about that. We're going to go in and fucking fix this. Mm-hmm. And the FBI guys are sitting around listening. They wanted this war story. Right. And then it's like grisly, you know, that he was like, we just went in and fucking took about 10 minutes. We shot the fuck out of everyone. He went, I was so geeked out about being in there. I saw someone trying to run. I thought it was a dude. I shot him like five times and it was like a 10 year old kid. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, there's a little foreshadowing because Woody Harrelson's like, he says like, I saw, the, I see the same kid all the time, right? And he tells us the story about it. So Kevin Costner's the guy that's like, I don't give a fuck. Bonnie and Clyde are going all over the country shooting people. You think I'm gonna fucking read them the Miranda rights and make sure I do it right? They're fucking dead. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't see the movie, so I'm gonna spoil it for you. Do you want to see the end of it? No, you can spoil it. Just ruin it for yeah. It's it's and it's legit too. Like it's actually how it happened. Okay. They fucking hang out in the woods. They finally get an inside source. There's a thir- there's a third guy, 
the third guy that was with Bonnie and Clyde. They don't... Yeah, it's, it's the guy they break out of jail at the beginning. Yes. Mm -hmm. His dad, they find out his dad is there, and his dad is like, dude, Clyde bought my fucking house. Like, I'm set for life because of Clyde. I love the guy, but I don't want you to kill my kid. And Kevin mm -hmm. Costner's like, I'm going to kill everyone that comes anywhere near this fucking thing. So you want right. to save him, tell us where. So they set up a meet. All the cops are in the bushes just hanging out. And Kevin Costner says, when the car shows up, I'm going out. You guys just fucking stay in the bushes. And they're like, you want us to just fucking shoot from the bushes? He's like, yeah, what am I fucking stuttering? Nobody go out there. They fucking shoot cops. You're cops. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems like a no-brainer now because like the sensibility in 2019 is... We see people get shot in movies all the time. People are shooting each other all the time. Mm -hmm. But it was pretty cold-hearted in the 30s. This guy was like a pioneer of like... Getting shot. I don't want to get shot. So I'll shoot that guy. I don't care if I shoot him in the back. I'll shoot his girlfriend to cause a distraction. I'll shoot his mother. Mm -hmm. Like, And I'm t we, I think we're more on board with that in 2019. We're like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Right. So that's how it ends with uh, the father of that guy puts his car up on like a thing like he's got a flat. Bonnie and Clyde are coming to get some supplies and, you know, trade some shit and get some sleep. And as they pull up, they're like, what's going on here, man? He goes, uh, you know, i got to tell you something, Clyde. And he just fucking jumps and runs under his car. Kevin Costner comes out and then all the shooting starts. And they just riddle that fucking car with, like, thousands of fucking bullets. Yeah, I've heard... Uh, so, I, I've, I've seen, like, the final scene in the Bonnie and Clyde movie. The legit movie. The, like actual, the, the, the Bonnie and Clyde movie. But then, you know, it's been a, a question in my mind. Uh, if, if you had asked me before today, was Bonnie, were Bonnie and Clyde fictional characters or real people? I'd be like, I really don't remember. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it wasn't... I, uh, I now know that that was like for sure that they were real they yeah were actually real people that fucking existed man yeah and uh that's crazy it's just so crazy when you can get even just one person that's going around killing somebody but when you get two people that are doing it like that you know the funny thing about it is once you get someone in there they're not they're totally isolated from the rest of the world now once you go and shoot somebody and someone's yeah. with you you're in it you're in it man might as well so what are you gonna do and if it's a dude that's like a, a psycho it so I did watch, because of this, This that's what I texted you, I watched the 1967 movie directed by Arthur Penn that got a lot of notoriety. Every All the critics mentioned that movie because it's the same movie but told from the perspective of Bonnie and Clyde. You never see Frank Harmon or whoever uh, Kevin Costner played mm -hmm. until he steps out of the bushes. The same ending, dude. Thousand shots from ten cops with like Tommy guns and shit right. into a little Model T made out of... It's movie. so genius. I'm surprised it took so long to do the story from the other side. I'm really surprised. Yeah. And, and there's no telling if maybe it was done and like it didn't, didn't get enough notoriety, it wasn't done right. But the 67 one was huge. It got a bunch of awards. Warren Beatty played Clyde like a, like a, almost like a infantilized, he, he didn't want to have sex with her. And mm -hmm. it was like, she was kind of creeped out with it. But she did love the fact that he was just like, I don't give a shit. What? Like in the because killing was his sex. I think that's kind of what they were trying to put across. Maybe. That, that they do actually have sex psychotic. at some point in the movie. Yeah. But he was almost like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not no lover boy. I don't know what the hell to do, you know. I'm a, I'm a killer boy. Not even like that, though, because he wasn't like this lust-filled, like, maniac of like, mm -hmm. I want to murder people. It was, it was made in the 60s, you know what I mean? But they were driving around in this car shooting people. It was like in the very beginning, I think this will tell exactly the angle he was coming from. In the very beginning, he's looking into a car like he's going to steal it at Bonnie's house. And she's doing like this weird opening scene, Faye Dunaway, she's like nude, 
well, they don't really show anything, but for the 60s, it was pretty risque. Oh, yeah. And she's walking around, and she's, like, getting ready to go to work, and she's like, I fucking hate my life, just with her body language. She looks out the window, and she sees fucking Clyde fucking around with the car like he's about to steal, and she goes, hey, what, the, what are you fucking doing? And then she goes, hold on right there, and she comes down, gets dressed, and she's like, should I get off the pot, What are you guy? doing? No, she's like, what are you doing? Are you going to steal the car? He's like, no, I wasn't going to steal the car. And he goes, I'll walk you to work. And as they're walking, like they've known each other for like a couple minutes, he tells her he was in prison. He shot, he uh, did armed robbery. Mm-hmm. And then he could tell she's kind of like, ooh, that's kind of exciting. And he goes, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm pretty badass. And she's like, you're full of shit. He shows her the gun. She's like, I don't know, a lot of people have guns. He goes, well, hold on for a second. He just walks across the street, goes into the first story, sees. And he comes out with a handful of money and the gun. He's like, fucking, what do you think now? Let's get into this car. And they just steal a car. Like, that's the start of it. You know, I don't right. know how, like, realistic that is or whatever, but that's the angle they were going for. Mm-hmm. And they find a third guy. It's a guy that I'd seen in movies, like, in the 70s and 80s, and I was, he has a very weird look. He's a character actor that's got this weird look. And I know you've seen him and stuff, and you'll probably think, like, oh, yeah, I've seen him. Some. He played, like, their third guy. That's, like, the worst picture. You know what yeah, I love about IMDb is it updates people's trouble. pictures? Michael Pollard. Yeah, so like whatever you would have seen him in, he looks nothing like looks this. Like no, he yeah. looks Plus he had glasses and a hat on and that, which is like... Is he... You figure at least the character... Oh, he's the guy on the left in that picture. Okay, I You've mean... You've seen that guy in shit. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he just he's just a very distinct guy, and I was like, oh, it was like a big role for him, because he plays the guy they broke out of jail, right. except in this movie, they just pick him up at a gas station, and like, hey, you know how to fix cars and shit, you might be useful... And then, bam, he just shows up, and now he's, like, in it with them, you know? Right. I liked it, though. They did a good job in the 60s one of showing the same situation, which was they kind of got popularity and a little celebrity, like, cult celebrity. People liked the story. Yeah, yeah. In the Bonnie and Clyde movie, the first bank they rob, actually, they rob a bank that was closed down, which was kind of comic relief, and he's like, give me all the money. The guy's like, dude, this bank closed down three weeks ago. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? He goes, come here. He grabs the guy, and he brings him out to the car, and he goes, tell her. So she doesn't think I pussed out or whatever. He's like, yeah. the bank's closed. Like, Get the hell out of here. But uh, they rob a bank and there's like a hayseed farmer that's like putting his money in there. And he's like, this is a bank robbery. Everyone just calm down. I'm going to blow everyone away. And he looks over at the farmer and he goes, is that your money or the bank's? And he goes, it's my money. And he goes, all right, don't touch that. Let the farmer have his money. Then he gets interviewed and that probably did happen, I bet. Right. And that was probably a big part of this little snowball that turned into this huge thing. We like, like them, they're just robbing the banks. Right, they were trying to say he's like Robin Hood or whatever, but I mean, they were like killing cops and yeah, shit, were, no problem. Oh yeah. Just so, like point blank, no questions asked, just blam, blasting them away. At the end of this movie, there's a funky scene where they riddle that car with bullets. Mm-hmm. They leave him in the car and then they tow the car like into the closest town so they can... I don't know what the hell they do. They got to do something with it. As it's coming in, like the townsfolk, it out, I guess. The townsfolk are like mobbing the car and just trying to get a piece. They just everyone just touch like it's Michael Jackson's body or something. And they it gets macabre because they're like letting people keep grabbing the arms. So like, um, and this was in the the this, highwaymen. The highwaymen, yeah. Oh, yeah. The highwaymen. They did a bigger deal with that final scene, which is kind of weird because the whole movie was about. Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. at the end, they're, like, pulling on it, and, like, her little body is there, and, like, her shoulder and her arm keep getting pulled, and now she's, like, slumping, and Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson are standing off in the corner, and they're like, like, what, what is with people? Why, right. why the fuck would you want, you know, people I don't are know. animals, man. Well, it's, you know what, it's just news, is, like, it's... you just filter out what you want, and people get into something, it's like, they're kind of like Britney Spears, but they rob banks, or nobody yeah. knows about the murder. And back and then, shit. it was, yeah, it was, like, they're... You know, it's not that they didn't have this availability of 
uh, everything that was going on. So if there was something that was, people were taking anything and chasing it. Like the memes of yesteryear were things like this. It was like the only thing that was like huge in society and everyone jumped on board with it. Yeah. And because that's all there was, it was just the newspaper and the radio and whatever. And uh, so it was, and so everyone would just be on board. Gene Hackman played Clyde's brother in the 60s Bonnie and Clyde, which was weird because they were like a gang. They were the, it was Clyde Barrow, they were the Barrow gang. So um, Gene Hackman and his wife, who didn't really want anything to do with it, but we were just talking about this, once you're there for the murders, you're in. Right. So she's like screaming and like, ah, you know, like a woman, like a, they always have that trophy, like woman that's like freaking out hysterically when something like that's happening. But she's in the gang. Every time they do something, she's just like, ah, it's fucking stupid. Uh, but I, there was a part that was funny. Not only is Gene Hackman in it, but Gene Wilder mm-hmm. really? plays a role in it. Yeah, it's a very funny role. They need to switch cars, so they just steal a car. And Gene uh, Wilder is like this bougie guy hanging out with his girlfriend on a porch. And she goes, hey, isn't that your car? And they're like, he's like, yeah, what the hell? And he runs after him. They jump in another car, and they start chasing him. He's like, I'm going to kick someone's ass when I get a hold of him. And as they start getting a lick, you know, now that it's a couple mile chase and the girlfriend's like, mm, what if they have like guns and stuff? He's like, yeah, you know what? Let's turn around. We're going to go get the police. Da, da, da. They turn around and the barrows are like, oh, they turn around. He goes, let's fucking go get them. <laughs> so they turn around and start chasing him. And you're like, oh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. It could be bad. They catch him and they pull him out and they're like, hey, we don't want to fuck with you. I'm sorry we're stealing your car, but we just need it. Let's go out for hamburgers or something. So they throw him in the car. They tell him that Bonnie and Clyde. So now it's like, uh, what was that movie that Woody Harrelson was in? Natural Born Killers. Right. Now it's like Mickey and Mallory stole your car. And they're like, hey, we're not going to kill you, man. Just fucking come with us. Whatever. We're just doing our thing. So they go hang out for like an hour. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're chatting. And at some point, uh, Bonnie leans back to Gene Wilder. She goes, hey, you're pretty rich, man. What do you do for work? And he goes, I'm an undertaker. And then like, you know, in the 30s, everybody was like super. And she was like, get him the hell out of this car right now. And they just stop in the middle of nowhere, 1930. And throw Gene Wilder and his wife out of the car and just fucking take off his undertaker. <laughs> so that's the whole part? That's that whole part. Right. Yeah. I thought it was very funny. That is really interesting. That is very 1930s that someone would be like, oh, I have this crazy bugaboo and we're all going to honor it. And mm-hmm. and everyone's like, I yeah. kill people, but you... Yeah, right. All the other stuff that's going on is not as important as that's it. Right. And they're like, nope. That's uh, that's really interesting. I had no idea that Gene Wilder. So, and then you just mentioned Nat- Natural Born Killers, yes, which is a movie more or less based on the Bonnie and Clyde story, but it's told and during the time of like the eighties, yes, and uh, with like the with like the nineties sensibility, like the Quentin Tarantino right. type of yeah. sensibility, where because it was made in like the wasn't it made in like the late early, late nineties, late at least 80s? the mid nineties. Yeah, it was one of the first large movies that like Woody Harrelson had done. Obviously, he uh, replaced what's his name on uh, Cheers, and coach. But then, coach, and uh, and then after that, he did. Um, I can't remember what he did, but it was definitely one of his first kind of things. And so he was on the White other... Man Can't Jump. He did in the eighties. That was kind of a big movie. Him and Wesley Snipes, I remember were basketball that. guys. Right. Even if you didn't see it, you that was like because that's the thing. He used to be in a way a comedic actor. Right. Yeah. And here, okay, so now we're we're moving into this area. There's no way we're not we're we're gonna do this whole segment and not touch on the fact. So on ep- wait, can we do the natural born killers thing real quick? We just, it's got to be pointed well, out. I, that- yeah, I was gonna circle just like kind of. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say it not for nothing, but this is like the 
the antithesis of natural born killers where Woody Harrelson is the crazed dude mm-hmm. out there and everyone's just trying to stop him and they don't know what's going on. He's just a murderous like killer in America. And here he plays the Bruce Willisy type. I gotta get up and light a cigarette. My back is all right. sore, but if I gotta shoot the bad guys, I'm ready to do it. And he's trying to stop this menace. It that is, is not, uh, people in 1930 are like, what in the fuck is even happening? It is really interesting that they had him on both sides. I bet you that was story. a part of the appeal for him because it he's like it yeah. comes full circle, you know. It does, and it's interesting. I think it is, and to make tie it to a real life aspect of Woody Harrelson's life. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Incestry.com. Incestry.com. We look at your genealogy and put together a family tree that you can fuck. Developed in Kentucky to mitigate the negative outcomes of inbreeding, Incestry.com is now helping people globally keep it in the family. Our team of Appalachian scientists know just which branch you can swing to without spoiling the fruit. I always have papers for my cousin Shirley. I was worried about what they say about your kids coming out dumb, but Ancestry.com built my family tree and showed me that Shirley is sterile. Woohoo! Thanks, Ancestry.com. Ancestry.com. Incest done right. On episode 42, uh, 42 part two of Road Soda, we, we used to do this segment called um, Google Alerts. Google where alerts. we would give each other Google alerts, and then uh, throughout the week we would we would monitor them. But the thing is, we would often give each other Google alerts where that would wouldn't yield any news or anything like that. So, but so we would just research. I had Woody Harrelson as a Google alert, and I didn't get anything, but I just started researching Woody Harrelson, and I started reading his Wikipedia page, and it, in passing mentioned his father, uh, Charles Harrelson, and. It said he was a contract killer. And I was like, what the f... I was like, what? So I clicked on, on his link and I go and I'm reading that and I'm like, they must be in like some kind of lawyer or something, you know, killing contracts. So, well, who knows? But I started reading it and then it said, hey, no, no, this he was an assassin. Charles Harrelson, who was Woody Harrelson's father, was a paid assassin. He had uh, killed a number, of pe- a number of people. Like one of the biggest people was a... Uh, federal judge in Texas, I believe. It was the, uh, yeah, yeah, federal judge in Texas. A federal judge who was known for giving mandatory minimums, like handing them out. Uh, it drugs. was before mandatory mandatory minimums. He was known for giving maximum sentencing for drug related for drug related stuff. And there was a drug like a big time mob guy, mob guy who was about to go on trial the next uh, the next day, and he was going to be sentenced the next day. And so, uh, sentence or the guy that was, was he was at, he was, yeah, he was on trial, whether he was going to be sentenced, he, he was going to be in the courtroom with this judge and he was on trial for obviously, I think drugs. it was a little earlier than that, right? Cause if it's about the sentence and you kill the guy, then the well, next still guy gonna, continues yeah. like, all right, I'll give you 38 years instead of 51 or whatever. Right. So I think early enough they were like, we can't have this fucking guy have him make, doing anything about this. Either way, Charles showed up and killed him and there's no real proof. Other than uh, he did collect the money for it, and later later he said, "No, I didn't kill him. I just collected the money for it," which is kind of interesting. That's a funny way of doing it. But um, 
there's what's even more interesting. So that's like obviously fascinating. And he's in, it is all in Texas. They're, they're, so it's like right in the area of this movie is taking place like in that area, this like Dallas kind of Texas-y area, probably around that time, not the thirties, but you know, a little bit after it's like, that's when Woody Harrelson's dad would be living. Like it's like sixties, right? Sixties, fifties, sixties. And he, because what's really fucking interesting is he was even... Yeah, there's a di- an additional gear to this. Like, that's already keeps, pretty fucked up. This is a, an even bigger gear for someone like me, because I love this whole... It's, this yeah, it kept going. It, the, the rabbit hole kept kept going down. Uh, so, oh, where do I... Where, how do I want to go? So, um, it was right at the time... Uh, there was this time, there was a standoff between him and the, between Charles and the cops. And... During this standoff, uh, he was all hopped up on cocaine and whatnot. And I think it was, there were I don't remember why they were chasing him down at this point, but uh, he he had already been acquitted for the one murder and uh, was out and and killed somebody else. And he was in a standoff with the cops. And during this standoff, uh, he made some comments. And one of the comments was, "I shot JFK. <laughs> I shot John F. Kennedy," which. You're like, Haha, that's you know, it's just some crazy thing. That's a crazy thing to say, right? It's right around that time. For and most people, but if you're people, a contract killer, mm-hmm. shortly after JFK was killed, and then didn't he turn up to be one of the hobos? Not necessarily, but they he's they, so there's this big aspect. Uh, uh, every, let me say all this first. Uh, when he said that, this is the very interesting thing. The a very interesting point to make. When that was going on, when his murder happened, when JFK murders happened, and, and Harrelson said said that, this was before the term conspiracy theory was even coined. There were not conspiracy theories back then. There weren't these clandestine things that people are claiming. At that time, it, they weren't even claiming that it was anyone else but uh, Lee, Oswald, Harvey. Lee Harvey Oswald. That wasn't until way down the line when this whole when when people's trust. And faith in the government started to lack more. And then there was a the the coin, uh, the term was coined, conspiracy theory. And then then that's when the, all that stuff really started to bundle up. So when he's saying that, when he's like, "I shot JFK," he's not just saying that. It wasn't. People weren't like that. Nobody had a question of who shot him at that time. Right. So that's it's like, why is he saying that? Right. It's really it's such an interesting thing to say. No, that's a good point to make because so, I wasn't even thinking about that, but. A lot it's of just dudes a, robbing a 7-Eleven because I shot JFK, motherfucker, and you'd be like, "What? You know, give me a break." But yeah, if you said it like six months after, right? And, it, and people are like, "There's a conspiracy angle to be mocking." Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he wasn't trying to like play into any conspiracy angle because there wasn't one. It wasn't the only person he told. He also one of the the uh, drug mafia guys that hired him to kill the judge. He uh, they testified at one point against I, I can't I don't remember if it was against yeah I think it was against or in a case uh, with uh, Charles about something else and they stated that <clears throat> they stated that he had also said that to them that Charles had told them that uh, he killed JFK and he even drew a map and showed where he was standing when he did it and uh, again, it's like, why would he tell these? I mean, guys there's no that? doubt in my mind, dude. Like, I know that there's a conspiracy theory. I've read one book. I read was this Don DeLillo book called right. Libra, mm-hmm. which was about. It was interesting. He tossed. He the book goes back and forth between Lee Harvey 
being the dude that just how it ended up happening that he was the solo killer. Yeah. But then he's also peppering it with, but but also this but other some... shit is happening. Do they come together at the end? He leaves that for you. He's like discrepancies. He leaves it like either and... Lee Harvey did this or all these things happened at the end. They went here. You go. Here's your guy. Yeah. Because clearly, dude, there was a triangulation of fire. There were a lot of people involved in this. Some of the shit that happened. Uh, like one of the things that we were just talking about, one of the pieces of evidence where they rounded up three hobos right. that were photographed on site and evidence was treated just so poorly. I mean, if the fucking president was killed, mm-hmm. come on, dude. You're not yeah. gonna have you might have some mistakes made like in judgment here and there, but you're not gonna have shit just suppressed, put in a box and moved out and just And forgotten about. So many it's things. It's a president yeah, it's a presidential assassination. For instance, yeah, those three hobos that uh, you were talking about, there was photographs of them in the newspaper being escorted by police. So they are in handcuffs, being escorted by police. And then uh, they, people saw those guys being arrested and were questioning why, this was a conspiracy theorist later, were like, why were these guys arrested? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's go back to that date at Dallas and let's get those records. They didn't have them. There were no arrest records. They said they lost the arrest records of those guys arrested on that day. Yeah. And the cops, they just have, like, a statement saying that the cops found some bums that rode in on rail that, like, day or night. Which these guys don't look like bums by any means. I remember that line from the movie JFK by Oliver Stone, which was fucking awesome. Also, he's the guy that did Natural Born Killers. Right. But, uh... Fucking weird. When they're doing the testimony, they're building all these things. Remember that point. He was the guy that did Natural Born Killers. The guy has got... The guy has got the picture of the hobos. He's like, look at that. It was a guy from Louisiana, Mm because the Louisiana DA is the guy that brought the case... He's like, look at those guys. They're not hobos. They got haircuts, new shoe leather. These guys are dressed fine. And you're looking at the picture. I've never actually seen the picture, but I've seen it. I've heard it talked about by from several different. There is definitely the a picture. Movie, it's probably a real. It's probably the real. Maybe, picture. maybe it was because that's they did a lot of that. Like yeah. juxtapose the actual stuff in with their dramatized stuff. So I think we did see the picture. They definitely were not bums, and potentially. We're not 100 sure, but potentially Charles Harrelson was one of those guys. Yes, it is. It is that is one of the theories is that Charles Harrelson, cool Woody Harrelson's dad. dad, is one of those guys. The other two guys, one of them, I can't remember who. I remember one of them being uh, an ex CIA agent, also called the. Uh, if you might even know him better as, I think it was the Freezer Killer or something. He. I'm holding up air quotes right now, killed his parents and stubbed them in a freezer. So this guy worked for the CIA and one day he went missing and uh, they didn't know where he was. So they went to uh, search his house. And when they got to his house that he lived with his parents, they found his parents stuffed in the freezer and they just never saw him again. Um, And he is, and it was his family, his, his family they were the ones that, when they saw the photos of the three vagabonds, as they call them, uh, the three vagabonds, three vagabonds, they it was his family that pointed out that's him. We haven't seen him since that whole thing happened. That's him, and uh, that is. And then there was a third guy, another I can't, I don't remember who he is, but I think that is just uh, all super interesting stuff. And what's more interesting than all of it, I think, is the fact that. Nowhere else outside of our own research and us looking it up have we ever heard that. That Woody fucking Harrelson. Never once was there ever like uh, Woody Harrelson on some interview and the uh, the interviewer guy on Dateline is like, so tell us about your father who 
uh, allegedly shot JFK. Like nobody's ever. You would figure that would be like the lead, the headline yeah. in every Woody Harrelson thing. That and like, dude, that's unless it's like his on his rider. He hands that to him and he green M and M's in my. Uh, <laughs> nobody talks about no, daddy. and nobody talks about my father. I for and the funny thing about it is before you brought that to me on the podcast back mm-hmm. a couple years ago, or at least a year ago, uh, I thought I had a cool story about Woody Harrelson, and I brought that up on the podcast, which is in Werner Herzog's documentary grizzly man Mm -hmm. the dude that just leaves society and gets goes up and lives with the grizzly bears and gets eaten by a fucking grizzly bear it's the only way it's the way he wants it do you remember his connection no i didn't watch that movie oh you didn't watch it that guy tried out for a part in hollywood and he was like i'm excited i'm gonna be an actor i'm gonna get my shit together he didn't get that part Mm -hmm. and then that that was like a big schism in his life and he was like fuck this shit i'm going up into what was the part woody's part on fucking cheers Wow, he was gonna be the bartender. He was gonna, he, so he had an audition. <laughs> so you're saying Woody Harrelson killed that guy, <laughs> dude? That is, and and so yeah, and Woody Harrelson's like one of the first movies he ever did was Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers, the guy whose father was a uh, killer in real life. And I think uh, in reading some more information, I guess he, uh, his dad was like really, really smart. He didn't get to see him a whole lot. I think he had a stepdad and uh, occasionally I think he saw him, saw him and uh, in jail, like they went and visited his father. But uh, yeah, dude, super fucking interesting thing. And as soon as you said that we would do the highway, because I've been itching to bring that story back and give that to you because I know... There will be a day. I did just say, oh, we've never seen it anywhere. We've never seen any interview or anything. I guarantee you, sometime in the near future, outside of our podcast, it's going to come up, whether it's on a TV show or someone's going to be like, you want to hear a crazy fact? Because that's what I've been doing to people. And you're going to say, I heard about that shit on Road Soda five years ago. That's right. And we are going to have the signed, dated, proofed. And what I, because that's what I've been doing to people. Anytime somebody mentions Woody Harrelson, I just slip in. I go, uh... Woody Harrelson's dad actually shot JFK. Go ahead, Google it, and then he does. It goes on. He I does do. the whole the whole entire treatment. Then at the end, I usually say he also was involved with the Grizzly Man guy. Mine's a little right. shorter. Mine's a little shorter. Uh, he killed the Grizzly Man. Many people think that bears killed Grizzly Man, but actually, it was Woody Harrelson. It was a good movie, though. We enjoyed it. We obviously were big Woody Harrelson enthusiasts. I do like him. I do like him as an actor. Of course, everything dude, he's he does, great. I've always. Really liked it. He's almost moving into like a Christopher Walken and Bill Murray thing now, where a lot of the parts that he plays are ironic, self-referential, Woody Harrelson type things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where he's becoming like a thing. Remember what the last movie we saw him in was? Um, no. Five billboards outside of oh, Chicago, yeah. Mississippi. And he was whatever. fucking awesome. He was fucking that. awesome. That was actually him playing a real role. Yeah. So maybe I'm just also a cop. Also a cop. He and plays a good then, cop. Yeah, plays. He looks like a cop. Yeah, Could he play. plays a good down on his luck, trying to turn it around guy. Because mm-hmm. he, because he's a movie star, so at the end they can always make him look good, and he just looks like he's down on his luck. You know, also he does not touch cell phones. He's very won't touch anti, them. Like he won't use them. He doesn't have one. Like his assistants or whoever use all the. It's only the super rich that get to do that kind of crazy stuff. Like none of us could, could do that. We, we could. could. I mean, just, we could do that. We would just but, drop out of the fucking... Yeah. It's only somebody that's just got a steady, like, mass amounts of income. It's like, uh, 
who, who are allowed to do crazy shit. How much money does he have? He has so much money, he doesn't even have a cell phone. He you just fucking he pays somebody else How to much you. money? He's got a cell phone guy. Yeah, he just has a cell phone guy. I think if I was that rich, I would have a cell phone guy too. He just follows me around. I have a day. keys guy too. I'm always losing my keys. Not me though. I'm fucking ultra rich. Can't lose my keys. He hands them to me. Can't lose I a guy. I give them to the driver and I say, hey, cell phone guy, get in the car with me. We're taking a ride. That's right. <laughs> I say, hey, cell phone guy, uh, call, call, call. That's my dream entourage right there. Key guy, cell phone guy, chauffeur. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you don't got to do anything. They just go with you everywhere. Cell phone guy. And Ja Rule. You know, there are cell phone guys. For instance. There are cell phone There are cell phone guys. For instance, uh, David Cho. And most recently I saw, um, dude, I love fucking Riff Raff. Are, how, are you familiar with who Riff Raff is? No. Who's David? Should, I don't know who David is. So Cho David Cho, both of these people are great uh, people we should do like sections on. David Cho is the uh, highest paid artist alive. Uh, if he puts a mural on a building, it raises the property value. And uh, like he's just insanely rich. He did a... Uh, mural inside of Facebook before they were huge, like on the inside of the headquarters, he did a big mural in there, and they paid him in shares. And this was like a long time ago. And he's just a multi-millionaire, like multiple times over, and he's just so prevalent. Like he can just spray paint on a piece, on like a card, and leave it somewhere. If somebody pick, and he does this, he does this all the time. He signs his name, spray paints it on a car, card, hides it someplace, takes a picture of it, and people can go and find it and just basically... It's like $10,000. just like you just go turn it in for cash. You just, it's cash laying around. <clears throat> and, he, and he not only does that, but he'll leave like cash laying around. He'll like hide $100 bills places and shit. And he had this thing called, ah um, oh shit, what was it called? You imagine that not only do you have so much money, but like he, he could, I imagine he could do like an art installation made out of cash and just fucking leave it somewhere and be like, fuck it. That's what he does. And then someone yeah. finds it and they turn it to cash and like it's coming back to him. He's like, I check it out. This cash ball, I throw it away. It's like a boomerang. It's, Bam. It's, now it's bigger. in my pocket. It's in my pocket. <laughs> it doesn't even, yeah. And so he's like fucking David Blaine of money. He. I just imagine in front of his house a fountain that just money just comes out and it, there's no like return. And he hates it. It just blows out. He's like, shut that stupid thing. I don't even want to look at that thing. I hate it so much. And he he's got this and the... What's really uh, uh, another interesting thing about him is that he has this series called Thumbs Up Forever. So that now I'm trying to get to you the cell phone guy thing. And uh, he did the whole thing on Snapchat. And he did it in the stories. And the stories only last for 24 hours and then they disappear. They get deleted. So if you wanted to watch it, you had to basically follow along with him and watch it on Snapchat. Where he just uh, hitchhiked and hopped trains across America and he didn't use any of his money unless he was like giving it to homeless people or giving it to people but they slept outside they had like he they bought like weird he it was him and a friend and then they had a cell phone guy and um that you just never saw it was just always somebody that was filming them <clears throat> but it's really you can watch the whole thing they have it like save different what places. was it called thumbs up america thumbs up america it's really fucking funny it's really interesting vice uh i think he also did the same thing for vice like they uh produced some of it for him but yeah man it's just him hitchhiking around and like spray paint shit he gives out money he just meets crazy people and it's um yeah he did a scavenger hunt one time that was another so but anyway i was just trying to make the fucking point that there He's are people and then riffraff who is this famous uh 
who is a famous, what it was just asking for a cell phone guy. He just put out a, an ad like on um, Instagram and stuff not too long ago that he's looking for somebody to just follow him around and do all of his social media stuff for him, like take all pictures, posts, uh, make videos. And of course, if you've already got a phone in your hand, you might as well be texting people and doing shit like that if you're just following him around all the way. Who the is Riff Raff? He is a rapper slash actor, just like one of those entrepreneur kind of, not just doing rapping stuff, but he's got, he's like opened a number of businesses and dude, he is, I'm fascinated with Riff Raff. <clears throat> I watch his Instagram stuff just constantly. Riff he's Raff. Riff Raff, dude. Jody High Roller, the Pink Panther. Uh, no, the Peach Panther, sorry. Dude, he is something else. Interesting stuff. So, let's wrap this one up. Where did you think... Where would you place... I would say, um, you know, probably... Not watch it if it's there. Maybe a little higher. I know some people that I would recommend it to that would be into it, but it's not for everybody. You know, it's like a... I'd referend Krama Drime. Krama Drime. Crime Drama. Krama Drime. Krama Drime. We're coining terms. Uh, it's like We're a crime drama terms. thing that re goes back to like the 30s. Some people will be into that type of thing. Like, I'm not a period piece guy at all, but I'm with you. You go back to the turn of the century America, I love that shit. I love the Spartan way they live. Like, they got all this money, but like their hideout is like a one-room cabin with a mattress on the floor. Mm -hmm. Like the, It's like, the sky's the limit, baby. Well, it's 1931. Really? There's not a whole lot. You want to go fish? Right. Or keep driving around shooting people? Like what? Not, or get in a line for fucking bread. Everybody knows who you are. And if you rob a bank, you got to keep... It's all cash. You can't... There's no ATM cards. There's no... It's just you got cash carrying around with you. It's, they... Um, I, that... Is that what you were... Never... No, I was just going to say, uh, I would recommend it to a, a group of people that I know like that stuff but for the most part you know it was it was a good movie you like Woody Harrelson you like uh, Kevin uh, Costner Costner Kathy Bates watch it Kathy Bates had a relatively small role yeah but she was she was in it she was there you she you picture her in a movie like that I would recommend it to my dad I would definitely think it's a dad it's a movie my dad would like yeah because he's retired law enforcement yeah and uh, you know he I think he really loves that that whole story, the idea of like, yeah, the the old guy coming back and getting it, sticking it to the younger guy. I still good if I needed it. Slow and steady, wisdom, wisdom wins. You gotta take your time. You gotta look. It's and that was shown a couple different times in the movie. Like when they got to that uh, the crime scene on on the road, and they're all like, "Come on, man, what are you doing?" He's like, "Hey, watch out, it's a crime scene." And he kicks, he kicks the rocks, and he goes, "Fuck you!" And he kicks the rocks on it. Yeah. And then the and then he's like up by Kevin Costner's up by the fence, and they're like smirking at him, like. <laughs> but then he finds something. And they're like, God damn it. And he t learned, turns to the guy. He's like, go look up there. Yeah. Like, they didn't even think about it. It's like that idea that's like all these guys, like that wisdom comes in. I think he would, uh, my pops would really enjoy that. I think he would too. Yeah, so I would Not say... Not your mom though. There's a lot of cussing in there. The, no, it's just bloodshed. Like, she, my mom cusses a lot. She, it's when there's bloodshed, dude. She can't. But there wasn't that much bloodshed though, was there? Um, I mean, I didn't, the only thing I saw was when... Uh, Bonnie shot the guy in the head on the ground, but I just, it was like blood mist. You didn't really see a bunch. I mean, you're talking about at the end, they're pulling around and people are yanking on the bodies. If she's seeing like yeah, she gore like that. and blood, she yeah, she doesn't like want to. Yeah. But she liked the period, period pieces are like all the Hallmark movies she watches is yeah. all, uh, about, oh, Little House on the Prairie and woo. <laughs> um, anyway, so I would say watch it if it's there. Same category as you watch it if it's there, if it's there and recommend it to chosen people. Yeah. And now we pick 
next week's assignment. So next installment. Next installment. You're gonna tune back in on episode 85 for Trailer Park Boys animated series. The Trailer Park Boys animated series. If you've seen the Trailer Park Boys, it's a great show. I think we're considering this a Netflix original because even though Trailer Park Boys isn't a Netflix original, not only have they bought it, but now they've produced more. They didn't just buy it and run it. They buy it and they've started producing more episodes. So you think the whole birth of this uh, animated series is post-Netflix purchase? Oh, 100%. They've, makes they've owned it for a while. And they own all of it. That They even bought like everything back to the, not just the first episode, but the black and white movie that the guy, that the guy shot to even get the show. Well, yeah. The Netflix guy shows up and he's like, I want to buy this or I'll buy that. Two of those. My wife, I'll buy please. your mother. I'll throw your what? mother in a vault. We'll feed her. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. We don't know if it's going to make us money now, but it might in 20 years. That's our goal. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. I So let's go ahead and watch uh, that uh, Trailer Park Boys animated series. And if you have any comments or uh, if you want to... Um, Give us your feedback. Give us your We'd feedback. love to hear about these movies. You liked them. You didn't like them. We're off of the target on something. You want to add right. to the Woody Harrelson mystique? Maybe there's a story out there. I doubt it. About right. Woody Harrelson that we don't know. Yeah, I we'd doubt it. We'd love to add to the Woody Harrelson. But we'd love to hear it. catalog. Please, roadsodamail at gmail.com. And also, there's going to be something a little special and extra when it comes to uh, emailing us about... Millennial Book Club, so I hope you listen to the rest of this episode so you can... Actually, I think we're going to announce it before this segment. That should that'd probably be a better idea. So yeah, if you've already listened to the segment before here, you're going to want to email us at, at roadsodamail at gmail.com. Roadsodamail at gmail.com, everybody! Thanks, everybody, for cracking another Road Soda. It's always a pleasure, never a chore. We have a lot of fun doing this, and we are happy you guys listen. Also, you know, guys, send us your mailing addresses. We'd love to send you those postcards. Be sure to write in about the Millennial Book Club. The Millennial Book Club for this week is Trailer Park Boys, the animated series. You can send all that stuff to Road Soda Mail at gmail.com. And we hope you had as much fun as we did. And we'll catch you guys on... Oh yeah, you like that? We'll catch you guys on episode 85.